Welcome back, creeps. Welcome to our listener stories, October episode. Yes, welcome. All right, so as I'm sure you're all aware, this is just purely listener stories. We're going to read six, I think. So it probably won't be as long as our usual rant, but um, hopefully everybody finds it nice and spooky. Tis the season. Yes, it is. I'm currently sitting in in the room, our room, in my own Halloween costume. And if you want to know what it is, I'll post it on the Instagram. Some of you already know what it is, though. Those of you who follow me on my personal Instagram. I think you should try and describe it without telling people what it is. You're likely to see me on Tuesdays. Yeah, okay, fair enough. That's the only <laughs> clue you're getting. Maybe as the show goes on, she'll reveal, she'll give more clues away. Yeah. Okay. So you want to take the first story? Okay. This story is from user Liz BC, and it comes from Puerto Rico. Hey, Liz. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico on the southwest side when I was about 15 years old. We had a neighbor that had several teenage kids, and they owned one of these Ouija boards. But before I get to the story, please be patient as I tell you the background of the story. Ever since I was a little kid, I've had three reoccurring dreams. They're all very vivid and very painful. In fact, I can't believe that I'm writing this, as I've only told this dream to one other person in my whole life. In this dream, I'm walking down a street made of cobblestones. It is somewhat cold as I pass this glass window where I see my reflection. When I look at myself, I'm a man wearing a uniform that I now know to be German SS. Wow. I continue walking until I reach an intersection and I look towards a smaller street to my right. There is a family being held at gunpoint. I realize that one of the members of the family is my girlfriend, and I run down the street trying to stop the inevitable. Before I get to them, the soldier shoots the young woman in the head. That's when I wake up, always crying. Needless to say, this is a very disturbing dream, and I think I was six when I had it for the first time. As I got older and I studied history, I became even more horrified of this dream, which, by the way, I still experience every so often. It's a dream that haunts me, not only because the murder is so clear and gory, but because of the reflection I see. That ideology is about as far away from who I am as you can get. So going back to the story, this particular summer night, we sat outside playing dominoes and cards for a while, sitting at a small table. My friend Sarah decided she wanted to use this Ouija board. I thought that it was all stupid, but I went along. After about 10 minutes, I was getting bored with it thinking that one of them was moving it. Then Sarah asked the board if it had a message for me. At this point, all the hair on my neck raised up, and suddenly I felt very uncomfortable. The board started moving, and it spelled Nazi. Needless to say, I became terrified. That dream was my secret, and I had never told anyone. I then knew that this thing must be for real, and it knew about my dream. I let it go right away, stood up, and stepped away from the table. My friends, stunned at what the board spelled, looked at me and let go of it as well. Unfortunately for us, this wasn't the end. The thing went berserk and spun several times, very fast, until it dropped 
on the sidewalk all on its own. We all screamed and ran to our homes. My mom, who was a very religious person, scolded me for playing with the board. Good. (laughs) (laughs) After that, weird things started happening in both houses, ours and theirs. My brother became haunted by aberrations and nightmares on a regular basis, and for years after that, I saw things and had some experiences that were very unpleasant. My mother never admitted it, but she also sensed stuff. She even asked someone from her church to come and bless the house. It didn't work. As a matter of fact, things got worse for a while. My parents still live there, and when I go visit, I left the island many years ago, and I live in the U.S. now after traveling all over Europe and living in Hawaii. I can still send something there. So that was like a, you know, side note. So every time I read about a Ouija story, I get very concerned for the people that write them. Ouija boards are very dangerous, and I won't come near one, even if if it's someone with a lot of experience and knowledge about using them. As for my dream, I lived in Germany for three years. I joined the army and did everything I could to get assigned there and was successful. I admit it was because I was hoping to make sense of the dream. Every time I visited a large city, side note, in the dream, the feeling I get is that it is a large city. I looked very carefully to see if I could find the street in my dream. I think I found it in Munich. Perhaps now that others know of this dream, it will be somewhat of a relief, but it still freaks me out to think that whatever entity spoke through the board that night knew about it. That is commitment. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I have a plan. I'll join the army. <laughs> I'll get posted over to Germany and explore every big city until I find something that looks like the one from my dream. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I may not know the writer said that their ideology was completely different from Nazi. <laughs> um but maybe there's still remnants of this old person, like his desire to be in an army. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like it's a past life, maybe. Yeah. That's crazy, though. Well, I mean, I think that's what he was trying to say, that it, it was a past life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And But that's like, what I mean, like maybe some behaviors or characteristics or ideas are still there. translated to, his cur- yeah, to this person's yeah. current life. That's one nuts story. All right, it's your turn. So my story is by El Conquistador X3. And it goes like this. Okay, guys, this just happened today. um, The 5th of September 2020 at 6.50 a.m. I'm at work. I work at some luxurious apartments in uptown Dallas. So we have a single elevator. I go and get on it and it's completely empty. I press the fourth floor button. So I get to the fourth floor, exit the elevator and look back and there's no one there. As soon as the door was closing, I realize I've forgotten one of my tools. So the door closes and I immediately press the button and the door opens. A lady comes out with a weird face. Her eyes look like they were almost popping out of her eye sockets. I get goosebumps all over my body. As she gets out of the elevator, walks a couple of steps, I get in, scared, and try and close the door fast. And when I look outside the elevator, she vanishes right in front of me. That's a good one. Yeah, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, 
totally normal yeah like starting your work day mm-hmm. boom yeah i like that yeah me too it's very rare you get those short ones that was very there was very short and effective yeah it was mm-hmm. there's no fucking around with it yeah i love that yeah so All there right. you go thanks el conquistador dope all right, this one's by Senorita, mm. but there's no Enya in in how she wrote it, so it's... Senorita? It's Senorita. <laughs> All right, Senorita. And this story hails from India. All right, this is my first and only story about ghosts. Let me give you my brief introduction. I am born and brought up. In Arungabad, by the grace of God, ours is a big family, including nine buas, or father-sisters, and their families. Father-sisters. It could be that the father is one kid, and then he has nine sisters. Oh, so like a different word for aunt. Yes. Okay. I don't know why I didn't think of that. (laughs) This happened before 1970, years before I was born. One of my buas, let's call her Lucy, was married in Punjab. Her in-laws were middle-class people. Once, she was drying clothes on her terrace, and she found a beautiful and brand new red color chuni. Chuni is a scarf, for your understanding, the one we Indian females use to cover our heads out of respect for elders of the family. She kept it for herself, thinking it had come flying from someone's terrace. In those days, people used to hand wash their clothes and put them on ropes on terrace, on terrace, I guess terraces, for drying. If you are from India, or if you ever go to India, then you will see clothes drying on terraces even today. Anyways, things were fine while the chuni was new, but as soon as it started fading out, things went bad to worse. Like, my waji suddenly became very aggressive rude and powerful and she started using started abusing language in front of the elders in my family i'm guessing that's the the lady who has the the yeah the scarf yeah so her aunt the scarf holder yeah she started traveling to different cities on her own without informing anybody at home in the beginning everybody just ignored everybody ignored her suddenly changed behavior thinking she would be fine again, but things got worse. Once it was a wedding of my younger Bua, and Lucy was also invited along with her in-laws for the wedding. In Indian weddings, especially in our caste, Punjabis, the groom comes along with a big crowd of all friends and relatives along with an orchestra. They all come dancing and singing to take away the bride along with them to the groom's house. Everything was fine, but as soon as Bharat, which means the groom's side of the people, you know, the groom's family. Yeah. And the orchestra uh, came. Something happened to Lucy. She started acting weird. She started abusing everybody, throwing all wedding stuff here and there. She became so powerful that she literally lifted a heavy wooden cord and threw it away. I guess like a branch or something, you know. Yeah. Um, weird. Or like a log. My grandfather and father, who was strong and six feet plus tall men, were unable to control her. Somehow they locked her in one room, but she broke the heavy wooden metallic door. What? 
heavy wooden metallic door. I guess it's wood and metal. Within an hour's time, other family members called some fakir, which is a holy man. And the holy man did something, did something and calmed her down. Later on, after the wedding, that fakir was called again and asked to help us to get rid of Lucy's problem forever. He informed my family that somewhere, a newly wedded bride had died. In India, if a newly wedded bride dies, her dead body is made up just like a newly wedded bride, with all the makeup, jewelry, red-colored clothes, and many gifts, and then her body is set on fire along with those things. Somehow, her chuni was flown to Lucy's terrace, and Lucy started using it. Holy shit. Now, Lucy was possessed by the ghost of that bride who was upset with her for taking her away her chuni and using it. Fakir took that ghost in confidence and apologized to her on behalf of Lucy for using her chuni unknowingly and also asked for forgiveness and asked her to leave Lucy alone. The ghost demanded a new red demanded new red colored clothes with makeup, bangles, sweets, and a new red chuni, and it should be gifted by Lucy to a eunuch and she will go away. Same was done by Lucy, and after that until this date, nothing has happened to Lucy. Thanks for reading my story. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so I think I did read this one to you when I got it because I thought it was like crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, so just act surprised. Okay. So it's called Something Bad Happened While I Was Camping. I'm Just Not Sure What by Kohaku's Mom. I went camping six years ago with a now ex-boyfriend of mine. The campsite we picked was beautiful. We were able to drive in through some rough trails. The spot we picked was next to some hiking trails that weren't very far from some natural hot springs and a huge waterfall. We were in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely no one was around. We set up camp next to the car, went hiking, soaked in the hot springs, came back and had dinner. It was all very normal until we woke up the next day I need to give some context as to how we slept that night so you can understand my confusion. Before we went to sleep, I put our food cooler and a stereo that we brought in the car and locked it. I put the keys in the front pocket of my backpack and put the backpack next to my sleeping bag on the far side of the tent away from the door of the tent. My boyfriend at the time slept nearest the door of the tent with a gun next to him. We woke up the next morning and I felt fine. I had slept hard and from inside the tent everything seemed normal. When we got out our campsite was absolute chaos. The fire pit we had made was ruined, the cooler had been thrown and food was scattered all over the place, the stereo was smashed to pieces laying next to a tree. All of the car doors were open including the trunk. We stood there for a minute in silence just taking everything in. The woods felt off now. It was quiet and not the beautiful campsite that I saw yesterday. Everything about those woods felt wrong now. My ex accused me of not locking the car the night before and then an animal got in our stuff. I promised that I had locked it and went into the tent to grab the keys from my backpack but they weren't there. I found them later on the ground right next to the car. We quickly threw everything in the trunk and left. My boyfriend was quiet and wouldn't talk to me about what had just happened. He finally spoke up when we were almost home and told me that he had had a dream the night before about something kneeling over him in the tent, holding his gun and just staring at him. 
when I tried to ask him more questions, he got quiet again and said he didn't want to talk about it and that I shouldn't talk about it anymore either. I've tried to forget about it, but I just can't. Something really wrong happened to us in the woods that night. That's crazy. Yeah, and I th- that's what Mr. Jim Harold would call a head scratcher. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what could have happened there. Like, literally could have been anything. Like, yeah. a bear is not going to come in and politely lean over you and take your keys from the backpack. and. Yeah. You know? Like, and, like, why didn't they wake up if yeah. the radio was smashed? Getting their shit thrown around. and You'd wake up. Unless they were, like, using recreational drugs or something. Yeah. Like, it reminds me of, like, maybe alien stories and stuff like that. You know, when people are just under some weird fucking... Mm-hmm. Like, they're not in control of themselves. Yeah. And then, like, why would you wreck everything outside and just leave the people inside? Yeah. And maybe the guy didn't really have a dream. It just happened that way. And he thought it was a dream. Yeah. He seems like a rationalist. Yeah, maybe that's why he didn't want to talk about the story anymore. Because he didn't have, like, a solid... He couldn't explain it away logically. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, better, better to just sweep it under the rug. It's a shame they broke up. I'd like to hear his point of the, of the story like mm. these all these years later. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, so this is my last one. It's by Nephilim, and this story is from South Africa. Oh, what's up, South Africa? In the house we rented previously, we had a few unusual guests from time to time, mostly after our son was born. My wife and I would often catch glimpses of them as they moved around the house, but we never felt any negativity from them. In fact, I got the distinct feeling of family popping in to see the new additions, so I left them alone. Sometimes things would go missing from where you put them. I would ask politely for it to be put back when they're done with it, and the items were always returned to the spot that they vanished from. I'm pretty sure a lot of you will know what I mean. However, when our son Connor, he's four now, going on 40, and has an amazing imagination, started to walk and talk, He would often speak about his friends, Loco, who he blamed for everything, and Speed, he calls anything that goes fast Speed. Loco was apparently a little brown-haired boy, and Speed apparently looked like Connor. As he is an only child, we took them to be imaginary as most kids have imaginary friends at his age. Just after we made the decision to get our very own place, I was putting him to bed one night and he told me that he and his friends are very sad that we're moving away. I thought he was referring to his crash friends, so I explained to him, by the way, crash is like a daycare. So I explained that we are only moving to a new house, but he would be in the same crash. He said, no, not my school friends, my home friends. I asked him which friends he was talking about and he said, that Speed was very sad because Loco is being nasty and says that he can't come with us. I told him not to worry because even though friends can be far apart, they can still be friends and that he mustn't be sad. 
After I tucked him in, I went to the kitchen to start the tedious task of clearing out the, cub the cupboards. About ten minutes later, I heard some noises from his room. Sometimes he will lie in his bed and play with a toy when he's not tired. So I called out that it was not playtime and that he should go to sleep. The noise stopped. He called back that he wasn't playing. Loco is. So I went to check and he was still lying as I had left him, all tucked in. I played along with him and made a show of trying to usher Loco out of his room. He started laughing hysterically. I asked him why he was laughing and he said, Because, Daddy, Loco is not by you. So I asked him where Loco was, to which he replied, He's behind you, making funny faces. I turned around, put my hands on my hips, put on my best daddy voice, weird, <laughs> and said, come, come, it's not playtime now, it's time for bed, and again ushered Loco towards the door. He's going now, daddy. Two nights later, my wife was away on a business trip, my son was asleep, and I was packing boxes in the lounge. After about two or three hours, I gave up on the packing put something on the TV, and must have nodded off. I got woken up by what, at first, I thought was my son putting his hand on my arm. I very clearly heard his voice say, Come, come, it's time for bed. It took me a second to realize that the face I saw in front of mine was not my son. It looked very familiar, but distorted slightly. I got a bit of a shock, rubbed my eyes, and when I took my hands away, it was gone. No. <laughs> No. I dare say that it freaked me out a little bit. I ran to my son's bedroom and he was still fast asleep. When my wife returned the next day, I told her about it. She's not a complete skeptic, but she also believes that our minds can play tricks on us, especially when we're tired or stressed. With the upcoming move, we were both, we were both but I started to suspect that Loco and Speed weren't that imaginary after all. Cut to the night before the move. My wife was asleep next to me. I was scrolling through my phone, as one does when you can't sleep. And I swear I heard the sound of little feet running down the passage towards our room. And then abruptly stop. I was expecting to see the usual sleepy little face appear around the door and ask to sleep in our bed. So I waited and waited and waited for what must have been about five minutes. I was just about to get up and check if he hadn't fallen asleep on the floor or something to that effect when my wife suddenly wakes, reaches out as if to pick him up onto the bed and realized that there was no one there. She turned to me, eyes wide, and asks where our son is. I told her I'd check. I got up, walked to his room. He wasn't in the hallway. Saw that he was still in his bed and walked back to our room. By this time, she was wide awake. I told her that he was still in bed and asked her if she, he, she had had a bad dream. She said no, but she could swear that she had felt his hand on her arm and heard him, his voice say, Come, come, wake up, mommy. Oh, no. That's horrible. That, that, that makes sense as to why she was like making the movements that she was going to pick him up. She yeah, thought he was yeah. next to her. We chatted about it for a while. Checked on him a few times and eventually went back to sleep. They're like, is he fucking with us? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the second evening that we were in the new house, we were unpacking dishes in the kitchen. 
Our son was playing in his new room upstairs when we heard a door slam shut. We both called out but got no reply. I was halfway up the stairs when I hear, when I hear the door open, and our son came running out of his room, tears streaming down his face. I took the last three or four steps in one bound, grabbed him, thinking he may be hurt, and asked him what was wrong. After he calmed down, he said that Loco didn't like the new house and was being nasty, and scared him and slammed his door. I said to him that I thought Loco couldn't come with us to the new house. He said, no, only Speed didn't want, didn't come, but Loco did. Now, I may not be a mama bear, but don't mess with my boy. I barged into his room and put it very bluntly to this Loco that he is not to scare Connor and that I think it's time for him to go back to where he came from. Connor said that Loco was gone. The next night we were playing in a game. We we're playing a game in the lounge. Connor likes to build forts, which is basically just him throwing a blanket over his head. When all of a sudden he stops, looks past me at the stairs, gets a frightened look on his face, and throws a blanket over his head. I ducked under the blanket and asked him what was wrong. He said that Loco was on the stairs and he was angry at me for telling him to go away. I pulled the blanket off my head and turned to look at the stairs, but didn't see anything. I did, however, feel a bit of tension from that area. I ducked under the blanket again and told him that I couldn't see Loco. He looked again and said that he was still there. Apparently, Loco had changed and was now tall and thin with long fingers and sharp teeth, and he was angry. I literally have, like, goosebumps <laughs> right now. That's... Oh. I told him that Loco couldn't hurt us because I wouldn't let him. I got up and told Connor to follow me. We went to my special cupboard, and the two of us began cleansing the house. Nice. <laughs> That's cool. I made him part of it so as to give him confidence, although it was mostly lost on him. When we were done, I asked him if Loco was still in the house, and he said no. Since then, he had not seen or heard from Loco again. Now I realize that this could all be attributed to an overactive imagination on his part and the stress of moving and all that comes with it on ours, but I'm interested to hear what you all think. I find it strange that I never once got a negative feeling when I was in the old house or the new. The only time I felt anything, and it was only briefly, was when he had said that Loco was on the stairs. I just want to address right up top I think these ghosts were meth dealers now I know I've been watching a lot of Breaking Bad but Loco and Speed come on don't be racist how's that racist <laughs> your accent <laughs> oh well anyway uh, I think it could be because you're watching Breaking Bad that makes no sense <laughs> names like that Loco and Speed mm-hmm that's meth dealer names, if ever I heard them. <laughs> but um, no, that is horrific. Like straight away when he started like mimicking him mm. and using the son's voice, that should have been his first red flag. Yeah. Like, well, that was speed. I get the I get the impression that the the one that was mimicking Connor, the little boy, was speed. And I don't think so. No. No. no I, I, the reason why I say is because 
they all mistaked him for Connor. Remember, Speed is the one that looks like Connor, but Loco is the one with brown hair. So I'm assuming Connor is blonde, like a little blonde kid. Oh, yeah. Fair enough, I guess. But still, I don't trust him. <laughs> that was crazy how he changed his appearance. Yeah. Because he's like... That literally, like... Mm-hmm. Oh, he's he no like, this is my final form. No. Just no. All right. Oh, wait. Before we start, here's my second hint for my costume. I can't stand up. I can only lay down, but you can pick me up. And it's not a banana. Very big. Okay, so this one was uh, sent to us by Spirited Soul. And it's called Russian Ghost in Afghanistan Outpost. Some of my favorite ghost stories are like our war zone yeah um stories i feel like we hear them a lot less Mm. whereas maybe if we had a ton of friends in the army there would be a lot of them like yeah maybe it's just like macho stigma or something no i don't think so no i just think we don't have a lot of friends in the army (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe that's it okay i have only told this story to three people outside the old military buddies see maybe who have had similar stories uh, to this experience first i need to set the scene tucked in a mountain valley in baglan afghanistan is a place called russian hill tapagurgan i think is the best phonetic spelling of the local name we just call it tapa tapa is the only hill in this entire valley and that is not by mistake It is a burial mound that has existed since the time of Alexander the Great. Generations of locals have been buried here. This also includes the dead Russians from the failed invasion back in the 80s. Now what did the American special operations do when they came to this valley? Level it off and stick a combat outpost on top. Mm, America! That's bad news bears. So this is where my story begins. I was a regular army paratrooper attached to the special operations team that built the outpost. One of the roles of the regular army guys was to watch the radios at night. I don't know why you'd be watching a radio, but okay. Why don't I watch TV? (laughs) I listen to radios. (laughs) This is top secret army lingo, okay? Please don't shoot us. (laughs) We would always get weird babble on them at night that could be written off as interference. Though years as a radio operator for my team led me to think otherwise. I had that duty one night. 2.45 to 3am, my shift ends. And I walk down the hill to our little bathroom area. I'm doing my business in this little cinder block hut with a hole. When I hear walking up the hill next to me. I at first think nothing of it. Probably just one of the local guards coming up for a shift change. But being the middle of the night and me in a combat zone, I do listen and I do pay attention. I can hear the sound of gear rattling, which I know for a fact that our locals don't wear gear with metallic buckles or boots for that matter. I've been on patrol with them multiple times and they hang around the outpost. I know what they sound like when they move. This was not that. This was the heavy set boot steps of a soldier in combat gear. Now, not wanting to die on the throne, and the fact that I was one of the very few Americans posted at this outpost, 
I decided I probably needed to know who was going up the hill. So I crack the door and peek outside. And holy hell bananas, there is someone on the hill. It happened to be a mostly full moon and I had some decent ambient light. They were carrying an AK, so not an American. They also had on a uniform and not the typical Afghan garb. Not one of our ALP, because we know what that is. <laughs> At this point, they are close to the top of the hill, and this person is not someone from the outpost. I grab my rifle and pop out the door, and I run up the hill after them. I get to the top, and not a single person was around. I walk over to the building where the radio guard is and knock on the door. My buddy answers and asks what's up. I check to see if anyone else was up or came in there and he said that no one has come come out of the barracks. He bummed a cigarette and laughed about what just happened. The next day while eating lunch we joked about it and one of the special ops guys who had been there longer told us that it was the resident Russian ghost. He claimed he started appearing after they used the dirt from the hill to fill our HESCO baskets for the wall. Turns out they found some bones while doing it. He even told us that he had been face to face with it and even drew his sidearm. All the other guys kind of chimed in about their own creepy stories of the place. I got moved to another outpost a few weeks later. Always got super creepy feelings whenever we would visit there. Had a few more weird experiences there. That country has got some energy to it. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Like, it's been a war zone for, what, like, fucking 40 yeah. years or something? So that's the story. One thing about that, and I, as I was reading it, even, like, the first time I read it, do you think he, he wiped? Like, do you think he was done in the toilet before he got out to check? Like, do you think he was just kind of sitting there, at like, on his phone or doing whatever? Like, do you think he was finished, or do you think he still had to use the restroom? I don't know but i think i don't know maybe he doesn't even remember because if something scares you adrenaline just took over yeah all right so that's it that's it from us for your bonus listeners episode but it is october spooktober spooky season and i'm sure all of the podcasts out there are going to be doing lots of extra content um, we plan on having a few bonus episodes or maybe like certainly one bonus episode this month to celebrate Samhain. So yeah, again, thanks everyone for all your support. Keep listening. Keep listening. Please and keep interacting God. with us. Yeah, we love the interactions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so find us anywhere you listen to your uh, podcast, any podcast apps or whatever if you can't find us on like on the one that you do use let us know we'll get on there um find us on facebook twitter instagram all at weekly creep and if you want to email us your own stories like these guys did you find us or email us at weekly creep at gmail.com and yeah even if you don't make it onto a listener story you will definitely end up on the listener segment in a normal episode so we need as many as we can get because we do do them every week and yeah that's it from us happy october happy october y'all last clue oh shit yeah um last clue 
is I hail from south of the border. Oh, well, <laughs> is he a gunslinger? <laughs> Tune in next week to find out. <laughs> We're not going to reveal this until October 1st, so. Yeah. Which is when you're going to be listening to this anyway, so fuck it. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.